When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. What am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. <laughs> Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Hauser, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. It was my laundry day. I climbed over piles of sordid clothes and towels in the hallway of my apartment, precariously balancing a laundry basket on my hip, then dashed down to the laundry glad to find it empty, and grabbed that new bottle of detergent I had picked up at the organic health shop from the shelf. 100% biodegradable, read the label that showed the nostalgic illustration of a mouse in a pinstriped apron airing crisp frilly sheets at the window of a tree trunk house. Opening the twisty cap took some effort, but the sweet scent of eglantine and lily of the valley rising from the bottle put a delighted smile on my face. How wonderful it would be to walk around in clothes that carried a cloud of springtime. Into the washing machine the clothes went with a carefully measured dose of that detergent. I pressed start, set the timer on my phone and went about my day as I do. I was in the middle of chopping vegetables for my lunchtime soup when the timer went off, so I hopped down to the laundry, pulled the wet, bunched-up pile of clothes from the washing machine, carried them over to the clothesline to hand them for drying, and then noticed something very, very strange. The clothes in my laundry basket were definitely not the clothes that I had put into the washing machine. The first teller for this episode is Sarah Brady. Sarah is a versatile artist with a background in theatre and education. In addition to being an award-winning storyteller, she also writes and teaches. Sarah has told stories in the US and the UK and is passionate about stories that help us see each other and the world around us. Please enjoy her telling the story of the fairy ointment. All of my children came easily, except, except for my last child, my youngest son. Oh, he, as soon as he was big enough for me to feel he was inside my belly, he sat on my hips and refused to budge. Even when my birth pangs started, still he sat And the women who had helped me through each and every one of my births, they came as they always did and they helped. But as the hours crept by, I saw their faces turn from hope to worry. And then my husband came into the birth room. My husband who had never stepped foot into the birth room for any of our other children. His face was a mask of fear as he barked out, I'll go for help. And then he was gone. 
agonizing hours crept by while I waited for him to return with this help. And when he did, he walked into the room, and behind him was a woman, a human woman. He had brought a human woman into our fairy world. She moved through it as though she belonged there, marching right up to my bed, placing her hands on my belly. And I do not know what magic she wielded, but she persuaded my son to turn. And then she brought both of us through birth into life. When all was settled and she had tended to me, she turned her attention to my son, preparing to bathe him, and my husband walked back into the room, carrying a jar of ointment. Here, put this all over the child, especially on his eyes. Only be certain you get none on your own eyes and you wash your hands completely. No vestige can be left on your hands. Well, the woman smiled amiably and took the jar and took my son. And I watched as she bathed him with care and, and as she opened the jar and took large handfuls of the ointment out and put it all over my son, especially on his eyes, then wrapped him back up, handed him to me. And as she turned away, I... I almost thought I saw her hand move close to her eye, but but then she moved to wash her hands, and she washed them so completely, and the shadows were thick in the room, and I, I told myself I had not seen what I thought I had seen. The time came for her to leave, and I was too weary to even whisper my goodbye and my thank you but I believed she understood. And then she was gone, leaving me with my son and those early years of rearing a little one. The years went by and my son was finally weaned and it was time for me to emerge into the outside world again I looked forward to this time. My husband and I would often go to the village marketplaces nearby, and we would walk unseen through those marketplaces. I enjoyed watching the people whose customs were so different than our own. While well, my husband, my husband took this as an opportunity to, to acquire taxation. Whenever I spoke out against this practice, he would say, these people cannot see us. They do not know that they live on our land. And this is a way for me to gain what we have lost. And so he gained what we had lost, as he said, by, by going from one market stall to another, taking a few carrots here, a few apples there, as tribute. I walked the other way through the marketplace, watching the people, enjoying the sunlight on my face. And then, then I saw her, the woman who had saved my son and me. I, I wanted to tell her thank you, but I knew she could not see me. 
And then I noticed that there was something curious going on with her. She was standing by a market stall, scrunching up one side of her face and then alternating, scrunching up the other side of her face over and over again as she stared across the marketplace. I followed her one-eyed gaze to see that she was looking directly at my husband. The moment that I saw that she could see him, my husband also saw that she could see him. And he moved across that marketplace as though in a single bound, standing inches from her. Which I... I do not know what you mean. Which I can you see me with? Breathless, she pointed at her left eye. His hand moved forward so quickly I almost did not see it. But there was no mistaking the milky white film that was left there after he drew his hand back. He moved on without a word. To him, the business there was done. So he was not there. He was not there to see her stumble as she caught her footing with the newfound blindness in one eye. But I was. I caught her in both my hands, and I steadied her, and I willed strength into her from myself. And though she could not see me, she placed one hand on my own. I stood there as long as I dared until the rays of the sunset began to grow brilliant and I knew I must return home. And then I pulled back gently and walked across the marketplace following my husband. For what were we, really, this midwife and I? but two women making our way as best we could in a world whose rules we did not create. The fairy tale sponsor for this episode is the Fairy Tale Museum of Fate and Fortune. For the first time in our realm, the Fairy Tale Museum of Fate and Fortune opens its doors to the public. Step across the threshold into the world of fairy tales and find forbidden treasures from the other realms on public display. Read about your own happy ever after in the fabled books of the Beast's Library. See your true self in the Evil Queen's magic mirror and find out if you are truly a heroine, or rather, a villain. Dance around Rumpelstiltskin's crackling fire, whisper a secret into its flames and see those of others appear in the sparks. The most courageous of all might dare to rub the magic lamp and find out whether the gin inside will bring their fortune or their downfall. All of these closely guarded secrets and many more are yours to discover now. Find the fairy tale museum of fate and fortune at the strike of midnight behind the second door to your left. Do you dare to step across the threshold? 
This episode is also brought to you by our two new patrons, Matthew and Cheryl. Not only are they generous supporters of the arts, they also have a magical ability. Matthew can flavor coffee by blowing into the cup. I hear his strawberry cheesecake coffee is to die for, as is his spinach feta cheese combination. Cheryl, on the other hand, can paint with the colors of the sky. She just dips her paintbrush into the clouds and then creates the most magical paintings. Would you like to know what your magical ability is? You can, for as little as the cost of one cup of coffee per month. By becoming a patron, you can help us continue sharing the magic of storytelling with the world. If you sign up now, you'll get a postcard featuring one of the delightful fairy tale sponsor images and a lovely message from Rachel Ann before spring is in full swing. Become a member of the patron team by going to patreon.com forward slash story story podcast or story story podcast.com. A bright thank you to all the patrons who make this podcast possible. You are the brilliant sunlight behind our parting clouds. I pulled one item of clothing after another from the pile and examined them closely. No, definitely not mine. Instead of white t-shirts, there were lace-trimmed blouses with pearly buttons. Instead of my worn-out lavender yoga pants, there were bloomers in the same color, and my comfy cotton dresses had been replaced by long, flowing silk robes. I was stunned. Had someone in the house played a trick on me? But no. The distinct scent of eglantine and lily of the valley rose from the wet fabric. Well, there was nothing I could do about it now, and I had to get on with the next load. So into the laundry machine went my soft bath towels and flowery tea towels, again with the sweet-scenting detergent, and I stayed to watch if something unusual would happen. However, the glass door of the machine was soon misted by a wild amount of white foam, so it was impossible to see what was going on on the inside. Well, at least my towels would be super clean. Soon the wash was done, the door sprung open, and I held my breath as I pulled the towels from the machine and gasped. Gone were my fluffy towels, replaced by ratty, haggled rags worn to threads. And they were dirty too. Impossible! Well, the only solution I saw was to put them back in and run them one more time, so they would at least get clean. Hopefully. And indeed, when that load was done, I pulled my towels from the machine, crisp and clean and smelling like eglantine and lily of the valley. It then dawned on me that the elegant blouses, the bloomers and the long, silky stockings that had replaced my very ordinary cotton socks might vanish as magically as they had appeared the next time I washed them. But isn't this what life is all about? You have to enjoy everything while it lasts, and rest assured that the next surprise is just around the corner. The second teller for this episode is Jane Dorfman. 
Jane tells tales of dutiful daughters and wise women, faithful sons and wicked kings, of magic skipping ropes and Irish heroes. She tells stories for children and adults at festivals and in libraries and in the school, saying that the world has an amazing heritage of stories and she wants to pass them on. And this is her sharing the tale of the fisherman and the djinn. Have you heard, O oh auspicious king, the story of the fisherman and the djinn? There was once a poor fisherman who could barely put food on the table for his wife and daughters. He went every day to the shore and he cast his net the prescribed four times. He said, God, you know my need. And he checked the weights of his net and he waded into the edge of the water and he cast his net. Oh, and the weights dropped and he began to draw it in. Oh, it was heavy. He was hopeful of a large catch, but... It was the carcass of a dead donkey. Oh, and he pulled it out and he dragged it to the shore and he mended the tears and he dried the net and he went for the second time. And he threw it far out into the bay. Again, it was heavy. And he pulled it in and he pulled it in, but it was a load of mud and rocks. He took it out again. He dried the net. He said, you know my need, Lord. And he threw it for the third time. It was heavy. It, it was hard to pull up as if it had snagged on some large catch, but when he pulled it in, broken pots filled with mud. The fisherman was discouraged, but he took out the net, and he dried it, and he fixed the weights and the tears, and he threw it for the fourth and final time. This time, when he went to draw the net in, it was the heaviest of all, and he pulled and he pulled, and he had to strip down and wade way out into the water to pull the net in, and what was in it was a great brass jar. Well, he said, it, at least it will bring a few pennies in the brass market. It was so heavy, he could not lift it. And he rolled it way up onto the shore. It had a curious lid on it, lead, and sealed as with a king's seal ring. The fisherman got out his knife, and he pried up the lid, expecting the jar to be full of water, but nothing came out. And he looked, and he waited, and after a moment, a coil of greasy black smoke flowed out of the jar up into the sky until it blocked the sun and resolved itself into a great and terrible gin. His head was as big as a tomb, and each ear was shaped like a bat's wing, and every fingernail could have speared a man on it. And the djinn looked down at the fisherman, clasped his hands together and said, Forgive me, mighty Solomon, I will never do it again. And the fisherman looked up at the djinn and said, Solomon? Solomon has been dead a thousand years. And a great smile broke across the djinn's face. Solomon is dead, and he stretched his muscles. And the fisherman looked up at him, and the djinn looked down at the fisherman again, and he said, I will give you one wish. Oh, said the fisherman, he had heard stories about genies and wishes, and he was getting his ready. And the djinn said, I will let you choose the manner of your death. What, said the fisherman? But, but, I, I released you from the jar. Yes, and that is why I am letting you choose rather than concoct something of my own. So hurry and choose. I have things to catch up on. The fisherman said, that is not fair. Why would you do that? 
Let me tell you my story, said the jinn. I was one of the jinns who rebelled against Solomon, and he sent his loyal jinns to catch me and trap me, and they brought me before the king and asked me again to yield, and I refused. And they shut me in this jar, and they sealed it, and the king put his ring on it with the name of God and pressed it into the lead, and they carried me far out over the ocean and dropped it in. For the first hundred years, I swore that whoever released me from the jar, I would make him king of all men. But no one came. And for the second hundred years, I swore that whoever released me, I would give him a wish every day as long as he lived. But no one came. And for the third hundred years, I swore that whoever released me, I would give him one wonderful wish. But no one came. And I ranted and railed against the sides of this jar, and I swore that whoever released me would only get to choose the manner of his death. The fisherman was dismayed. He thought about his poor wife and his daughters who would support them. But then he thought to himself, this creature is a son of Satan. I am a human being. Surely I can outsmart him. And he folded his arms and he asked the jinn, Answer one question for me truthfully. All right, said the jinn. Were you really in that jar? I was in the jar. I do not believe you, said the fisherman. You, you could not even put a single hand in that jar. I was in the jar. I do not believe it. Must I prove it to you? Yes, said the fisherman. So the jinn again began to swirl into the dark smoke, flowed into the jar, and the fisherman clamped on the lid and pressed down the edges, and the jinn said, Do you believe me now? Yes, said the fisherman. And I have you, too. Oh, said the jinn, do not do this. Yes, I have you, and I am going to put you far out in the ocean. You are in there for hundreds of years. You will be in that jar till doomsday. I will build a little hut right here on the shore and tell no fisherman to fish here, for there is an evil, deceitful gin just offshore. Oh, please release me, said the gin. No, said the fisherman. Were you going to release me? Did you think about my poor family? And the gin began to tell the fisherman stories. And the fishermen told the jinn stories, and they told stories back and forth, each to illustrate their point, until finally the jinn had the fisherman convinced, and the fisherman released him from the jar. The jinn came out, and he stretched his mighty arms again, and he said, Now, come with me, fisherman. I will show you how to make your fortune. And he led him down a short path from the beach the fisherman had never seen before, and he showed him a lake, and in the lake were blue and red and yellow and white fish. And the jinn said, catch these fish and take them to the king, and he will reward you well. And now, fisherman, though I will miss you, I must go. I have things to do. And he stamped his foot and disappeared. Well, the fisherman did just that. He cast his net. He pulled up a blue, a red, a yellow, a white fish, took them in a basket to the castle, the kitchen door. Oh, and the kitchen maid was delighted in the cook, and she said she would cook them for the king that very night. But as soon as she put them in the frying pan and the little fish began to flip and flop, a door opened up in the kitchen wall, and a beautiful damsel stepped out, and she spoke to the fish and said, Have you kept your vow? 
And the fish looked up with their tiny mouths. She said, we have, we have. She said, then come with me. And she gathered up the fish, left through the door. The door closed up as if it had never been there, leaving the cook astounded. Well, she did not want to disappoint the king, so she called the fisherman back and she told him she needed more fish. He found his way back to that lake, which was between high mountains on all sides, a deep, deep lake, and he caught more fish, red and blue and yellow and white, and brought them to the cook, and the same thing happened. As soon as they hit the hot oil, the door opened up, the damsel came out and swept them all away. This is too curious an event to keep to myself, said the cook, and she went to the king, and the king sent for the fisherman. And when the fisherman told him the story of the gin and the magical lake, he said, there is no lake near here. I have hunted in these hills all my life. I will show you, said the fisherman. The fisherman was given a horse to ride, and the king rode, and his men rode behind him. And with the fisherman leading the way, they found the lake, where there had never been a lake before, a deep, deep lake between high mountains. And over on the other side, there seemed to be a cave. And from the cave, the king could hear the cries of a man in dreadful agony. And he told the fisherman and all of his men to stay behind on the edge of the lake, that he would go on this quest alone. So drawing his sword, he went into the cave and found it well lit and furnished. And then he came upon a startling sight. There was a young man, at least down to the waist, for at the waist he turned into a block of stone. And the young man was weeping and crying out in pain, and when the king went behind him, his back had been whipped until it was in bloody tatters. Oh, said the king, what has happened to you? The young man opened his eyes, and he saw the king. He said, oh, why are you here? Flee, for my wife is an evil witch, and she will kill you when she finds you. I cannot leave you like this. For the young man had a lovely face, and the king felt so sorry for him. Tell me your story, said the king. Well, I was married to a beautiful woman from a far kingdom, and I thought we were happy. But I heard the maid saying, what a pity that she drugs the king every night and goes out carousing with her slaves. And I resolved not to drink the wine that my wife brought me every night. So I only pretended to drink it and then pretended to sleep. And then when she not kissed me goodbye, but slapped my face goodbye and left, I crept out and followed her. And indeed, she was carousing with her slaves. I wounded the slave mortally, but she had a great wizardry power and turned me into what you see now, half a man and half a statue. And she comes to visit the slave who has never recovered from his wounds, and every day afterwards she beats me. Oh, said the king, this is dreadful. Where is the slave? And the young man pointed down a corridor, and when the king went, he found a great, enormous man moaning and groaning, but hardly sensible, lying on a pile of rags that were covered with blood. The king ran him through and put him out of his misery. And then, thinking to catch the queen, he wrapped himself in those same disgusting rags. And later in the day, he heard the young man crying and the sound of the whip hitting him. And then the queen came in. He was far under the rag, so she could not see his face. And he said, oh, my dear, is that you? You can speak again. Oh, my beloved. 
He said, I could have spoken long ago. Save for the cries of your husband, they disturb me so. You must change him back. Oh, I will, I will. And all those fish in the lake, what are they? Oh, she said, those are the people of the town. I changed them all to fish when I flooded the town, each to the color of his religion, red, blue, yellow, white, the Christians, the Muslims, the Jews, the Zoroastrians. They are all fish now. Oh, said the slave, the king pretending to be the slave. I can hear their tiny cries too. You must change them back. I will, I will, my love. And she ran out of the cave and she waved her hands over the lake and it became a town again. The town rose up and the people gasped the first breath of air they had had in years. She ran back to her husband and you do not deserve this. But she turned him back into a whole man. And then when she went to find her lover again, the king was upright and waiting for her and ran her through. The young king was overjoyed and he could not thank his savior enough. And they became so close, they did not want to be separated. You must come back with me to my kingdom, said the old king. Your viziers and princes, they can rule your country well enough. Come back with me at least for a while. And the young man agreed. It will just be a short journey, said the fisherman. No, said the king, this was an enchanted place. It will take us weeks to get back to my palace. But they mounted on horses, the king and the fisherman, and one was found for the young king, and they rode a long way back to the palace. The fisherman's wife and daughters were sent for, and the king was a bachelor, and the young king was a bachelor, and they were so taken with the daughters that there was soon a double wedding. And the fisherman and his wife and the daughters lived happily ever after. And here dawn overtook Scheherazade. Oh, that was a marvelous story, sister, said her younger sister. Ah, it was nothing compared to what I will tell you tomorrow night, if I am allowed to live. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Sarah Brady at sarahosbornbrady.com and Jane Dorfman at voicesintheglen.org. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. It is a new year. However, we are still in strange times for performing artists. Luckily, the opportunities to connect with the magic of life's storytelling are abundant. Go find your favorite tellers on the podcast and discover what they can bring to your home. Did you know you can connect with the podcast and see the fairy tale sponsor ads on Facebook or Instagram at Story Story Podcast? You can also connect with me at isabelhauser.com. While you're there, let us know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. The brains behind the fairy tale sponsor was, well, me. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was indeed my upcoming laundry day. However, I have not gone to the organic health shop to pick up any detergents of any sorts in quite a while. The music was by Poddington Bear. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You will hear more stories next week, but until then, live happily 
ever after. And Mary Kate opened up the door, and there on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal 